Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash full. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today we're talking energy and industrials. It's Thursday the 21st of June and we're going to be answering some listener questions. Um, I'm your host Sarah Priestley and joining me in the studio is Motley Fool Canada Premium Analyst Taylor Muckerman. Taylor, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. <laughs> you seem really pumped to be here. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Um, only they could see it. Yeah, I know. If only they could see how enthusiastic we are this morning. Um, so we have had a flurry of emails mm. with some fantastic oil and gas related questions for us to tackle. And as you are the resident expert, I thought that you could help us out. So one of the first... I love questions much more than corrections. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and me both. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first question that we had was around problems of getting oil out of the Permian Basin. Mm. Um, so for anybody listening, the Permian Basin is a, sedan- a se- uh, sedimentary basin. <laughs> in West Texas, try saying that after a few gins, Um, (laughs) covering about 250 miles wide and 300 miles long. It's Mm -hmm. pretty unique geology structure and it makes it really easy to extract um, oil and natural gas from. So it can operate at lower prices than other fields. So we've seen it continue to operate uh, even in pretty low, like even $26 a barrel, I think, that we're still pumping. So after 100 years of production, it's reached record volumes, this year is expected to reach record volumes. But there is a bit of a problem and that frackers are becoming a victim of their own success. So what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> no, this area that? is just uh, continues to be a wash in oil. You're talking about um, Midland, Texas area, which is like kind of the unofficial capital of the Permian Basin. And the employment rate there is 2.1%. Wow. Everybody has a job yep. almost in Midland, Texas, and uh, high-paying jobs along with that because uh, they just can't find enough truckers, enough ru- or enough roughnecks, which are actually working on the on the fracking equipment. Um, you're seeing six-figure salaries for, for these truckers and other ancillary services, and uh, home sales are thriving, home prices are thriving, all because um, this is the hottest basin and has been the hottest basin in uh, U.S. oil and gas for some time now. Uh, you looked at almost 2,000 horizontal well permits uh, approved in the first quarter of this year, up 22% from, from the previous quarter. So even with this backlog of oil that can't find its way to the Gulf Coast, drillers are still trying to drill and um, and paying quite highly for the, for the workers that are able to come down and, and do the drilling. Even private companies are making their presence felt. Um, I think I read that over 50% of permits in 2016 went to the top 10 shale producers in the region. Uh, That's down to about a third now. And private drillers going from 20% of the permits up to 25% of the the permits. So everyone's getting in on the action. Um, And a little bit of that has to do with public companies kind of going out and saying, we're going to pull back on spending because of the, the downturn. But um, clearly, activity is still thriving, and the pipelines just can't keep up. Mm-hmm. You see a huge gap in price between um, Midland Texas oil and Western Texas oil uh, intermediate 
and even more of a gap between the international Brent crude because of this takeaway capacity just hasn't been there. They're building more, but it's not coming online uh, within the next six months. You're looking at a year, two years. And then the export um, facilities in Texas and Louisiana um, not really expanding uh, as they need to until 2020 at the earliest. Yeah, as you said, um, some producers just having no outlet, especially for the natural gas that they're bringing out. So in a lot of cases, they're flaring it. Mm-hmm. And then oh, yeah, natural gas price yeah. especially, yeah. And that's kind of capping their output too because of the regulation around um, how how much that they can do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, interestingly, um, Anadarko CEO Al Walker said on a recent conference call, uh, that the pipeline shortages are creating the haves and have-nots based on who already has established contracts. Um, I mean, he was talking about that from their perspective. Mm-hmm. He said, we're working hard to be among the haves by proactively aligning our production growth with midstream and downstream solutions. But it's this crazy situation where they can get it out the ground now in a very cost-effective way, but they can't move it to the refiners and to the uh, liquid natural gas export centers where, where it's natural gas. Um in a cost-effective way, they're talking about rail, bringing rail online. Yeah, now. rail and, and trucks, and they're saying most in, incremental production. So any additional production will need to travel via truck or rail, costing upwards of fifteen dollars a barrel mm-hmm. in additional transportation costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned that a few pipelines are coming online. Two that are notable: Phillips sixty six and Enbridge. Um, together are building the Grey Oak pipeline, and that should move about 3 million barrels per day to Houston. Mm-hmm. As you said, that doesn't come online till the second half of next year. And then the Cactus 2 pipeline is being built by Plains All-American Pipeline, um, and that's going to go to Corpus Christi, and that's not coming online till the third quarter of next year. And we know with um, what we're seeing with some of the timelines for the pipelines that are meant to be coming online now, that might get pushed out by a quarter or two, most likely. Yep. Um, and then once it gets to places like Corpus Christi, they're having bottlenecks uh, because the ports aren't big enough for mm-hmm. some of the ships that Chinese and European customers like to like to import oil on, which they call the very large crude carriers, mm-hmm. VLCCs, uh, talking about 2 million barrel super tankers. Um, and the, the expansions in Corpus Christi and Brownsville, Texas, aren't expected until 2020. Mm-hmm. What's the big... Um, liquid natural gas export hub that's in Georgia. That's, is that coming online soon? Um, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but you've got uh, the huge one in uh, in Sabine mm-hmm. Pass uh, in Louisiana, and then another one from um, Chenier Energy coming online in Louisiana. Drawing a blank on the Georgia one. And then I think we've talked about it on the show Dominion before. has a Dominion Cove export facility here on the East Coast. Mm-hmm should be coming online some point soon for liquefied natural gas. Mm-hmm. So that'll help get some Marcellus natural gas off the coast. But yeah, the, the Permian driving down natural gas prices and oil prices in Texas because they're just producing too dang much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch over the next two years how how we kind of level out that production increase and, and capacity, mm-hmm. um, transport capacity around there and what that does to, to the market as a whole. Um, but one company, I mean, we've talked before about midstream companies um, and, and a lot of the questions that we've had are around midstream companies. One in particular around enterprise production partners, uh, Ticket EPD. Um, they're an American natural gas and crude oil pipeline company. 
Enterprise is a 60 billion market cap company, so mm-hmm. it's a big company. Um, and it has exposure not just to pipelines, but to port storage, processing, and even shipping uh, via tanker ships. Um, it's a it's actually one of the largest master limited partnerships in the US. And an MLP basically combines the tax benefits of a partnership um, with the liquidity of a publicly traded company. And um, if we went into this, it'd be a whole show. But if you want more <laughs> information on it, we do have a really good article that I can send you. Uh, so feel free to email us at industryfocus at full.com. Uh, but back to EPD, it provides mainstream services to the oil and gas industry, they mostly focus on processing, transporting, and storing natural gas liquids. Mm -hmm. Um, So interesting company. And yes, as I said, we've talked about pipelines before. We've talked a lot about natural gas and how that market is really changing. Um, So interesting. The headline news for the next couple of years is that it won't be hiking distributions to quite the same degree that we've seen in the past. And that's the big attractive thing with these MLPs is really their yield. So it's got an attractive yield. It's like it's six point six 6% at the minute, but we're talking low single digit increases for the next two years as they try and improve their cash position and actually use that cash inflow to fund um, growth rather than funding it yeah, externally, which I think is growth. smart. Yeah, yeah, you can't argue with that, especially if you can keep a yield around 4 to 6%. I mean, that's a pretty nice payout in today's market mm-hmm. uh, yeah, with some organic growth. If they can pay it themselves, nice exposure to the Permian. So mm-hmm. plenty of opportunity for excess takeaway capacity if they can provide it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have two major expansion projects that they're kind of in the midst of right now. One is a $4.9 billion, um, recently completed growth project, and another one, which is $5.3 million, I think. Mm. Uh, expansion is under construction. Um, and all of these, that we, you know, I, I feel like we repeat ourselves all the time, but all of these expenditures will generate reliable cash flow income because they have such long-term contracts. Yeah. And I think all of EDP's, um, pretty much all of EDP's capacity is locked up in fairly long-term contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, so some investors have kind of shied away from the company given its um, open admission that it's going to pull back a little bit on distributions, but actually it makes a lot of sense. I think they're aiming for 50% internally funded expansion projects. Um, compared to competitors, it just means that they won't dilute. You know, you're not yeah, going to you be your, issuing shares yes, or yeah. paying a lot of interest. Um, and to me, it really indicates, you know, you, you've been – studying this whole industry for so long now, um, you will have seen this, but it really indicates to me that they learned a lot from the 2014, yeah. uh, 2015. How long they remember it is yes. yet to be yeah. seen, but uh, certainly it's nice to see that five years in, it's still top of mind. Yep. To some people. <laughs> yes, yeah, to some people in the industry. Um, uh, so yes, we got asked a question about, um, about EPD. I definitely think it's worth a look at the minute. Um, if, however, if distribution growth is something that's more important to people listening, then you might be better off looking for a midstream partnership like um, MMP, Magellan Midstream Partners. Uh, they're targeting 8% distribution growth in 2018. They have a lower yield. It's about 5%, um, but it's appropriate conservative uh, investment for people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I actually am very much in the camp that this is a pretty good move for EPD. Yep, seems like it. And just remember, it's a it's an MLP, so additional tax forms and considerations will apply um, in most cases. Just mm-hmm. a little asterisk there. <laughs> but uh, certainly a company that's worth considering if you like the space. Yeah. Um, 
So before we go on to talk about a couple more topics that we've been asked about, I'd like to thank our sponsor for today. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. With Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply and understand fully so you can mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash full. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. I like how they turn mortgage into a verb. So you can mortgage confidently. <laughs> hey, in today's, in today's <laughs> It might be, market. I don't know, but I don't think it is um, until now. Apparently, you can turn everything into a verb. Fair, fine, I like it. Um, so yeah, we got asked about, uh, in, a, in a great email, we got asked, about oil service companies, particularly Halliburton and Schlumberger, um, they're kind of the biggest rivals, really. I would say. In that, uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, though. Feel free. No, yeah, they're the two of the top three. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about Halliburton first. Uh, ticker H A L, one of the first oil field service companies in the world, and has a reputation for being the best wellbore engineering company. I, th- I think it still maintains that title. The company's mm. founder. Earl Halliburton, I think, pioneered um, the process of wellbore cementing in the early 1920s, would you believe? Yeah, um, I will. <laughs> and they, though they operate across the world, they, I think they operate in about um, 60 or 70 countries, I think 65% of their revenue comes from North America. So they're heavily invested in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made a big strategic bet on shale. I remember you telling me about this um, 20 years ago. They've invested a ton in the uh, in the market, which has been a double-edged sword for them because they've been there for the boom, but they've also yeah. felt the the pain on the other side. Um, they they had a respectable profit for the first quarter of this year, thirty four percent increase despite issues in Venezuela affecting their bottom line. So um, mixed feelings it seems like from analysts towards Halliburton at the minute. Um, They've made a lot of investments to try and be competitive with Schlumberger. They've got a lot of organic growth, and they have really strong exposure to, exposure to shale. So I guess, it, for me, it's really how you interpret that exposure to shale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, this company, I think number three in terms of the size, it was number two until GE took over Baker Hughes and their energy businesses combined. Uh, Schlumberger is number one, Halburn three, and they're kind of mirror images, whereas uh, Sumberger has the international exposure. Halliburton has the domestic exposure here in North America. Um, but it, it seems like things are really clicking here. They say that they're um, fracking horsepower, which is what they just consider the available um, fracking equipment that they have in North America is fully supplied. So they're um, running at full capacity uh, for the frac- for the frac fields here in North America, and they see some. Uh, some improvement internationally. So, um, you, I talked about in the previous segment, 2,000 permits for, for wells in, in the Permian Basin in the first quarter alone. So, plenty of potential action out there and still a lot of wells to be, to be fracked that have already been drilled. And that's where Halliburton uh, really holds their specialty. So, a lot of backlog out there available for this company that has rebounded decently uh, over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest difference I've noticed um, in people's perception between um, 
Schlumberger and Halliburton mm-hmm. is the integrated services. Yep. People see that Halliburton hasn't really focused on these integrated services, which people are seeing as being very efficient and a cost benefit to the oil producers. Um, you, you know, we've talked, I'll start on the Schlumberger section. <laughs> uh, they're, they're often seen as best in class and their bread and butter um, has really been understanding oil and gas, reserv- oil and natural gas reservoirs in the mm. most efficient way to um, drill those. But it's also pioneered directional drilling, which was pretty, uh, pretty important. Yeah, it still <laughs> it, is. Yeah. yeah, that really was one of the the key technologies mm-hmm. to re- light this fuse of the frack boom. Um, that and fracking combined is, is why we've seen the U.S. flood the world with oil. Mm-hmm. So this company, compared to Halliburton, is really focusing on reducing cost per barrel. I mean, Halliburton is too, but it's the way that they're tackling this. I think it's it has a, I think it's called SMP is the department. Um, the SPM. SPM, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, that's where they actually take a stake in the production side of things. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas Halliburton does not do that, I don't believe. Um, but yeah, the definitely reservoir description and management is, mm-hmm. is a key portion of that business. Um, but they're doing they're very high PE at the minute. There's a lot of confidence in the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat estimates three out of the last four earnings. Um, I think the kind of bullish sentiment really is around that SPM and, and around the integrated services and how cost effective, how how much they can offer oil service producers through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've also just they spend more on research and development than any other of of these companies. Yeah. So they're bound to at some point. Um, or they already are feeling the benefits of that. Yep, and through acquisitions, a lot of that R and D I think is uh, focused on offshore as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, one sub C U is the the partnership that they have after they acquired a couple of companies that uh, focuses on offshore. So some nice upside there if offshore oil ever comes back to life. Yeah, I was going to ask you when do you think do you think that we will start to see offshore come back online, and if so, kind of what what price do you think we need to be at? Yeah, at some point, unless um, other countries catch the fracking craze, mm-hmm. uh, which it seems like they might because fracking can be taken internationally. Uh, a lot of frackable oil available out there, but it just depends on the takeaway capacity, the infrastructure, the buy-in from governments. And so if China or Argentina ever get their act together when it comes to fracking, or uh, other countries as well, but those two certainly in particular – you could see offshore oil continue to get pushed out on the timeline. Mm-hmm. And then, as you mentioned, obviously, we have uh, Baker Hughes AG company yeah. um, as a sort of looming competitor for both of these, um, only strengthened for the moment by its GE uh, involvement, but we'll see how that all plays out. Yep. Um, so the next thing to talk about is uh, tomorrow is the Organization of Petroleum Exporting mm. Countries, OPEC, it's a biannual meeting in Vienna, Austria, and the next day we'll hold a meeting with non-OPEC petro- petroleum exporting countries, um, namely Russia. That's mm-hmm. OPEC plus, I think that's being Yeah, OPEC noted. plus, yeah. Um, so very different global environment to the one that they have previously met under. The oil glut is somewhat reduced. Um, prices have risen, and even some countries like Venezuela are struggling to meet their allocations. New sanctions on Iran mean that they're production, their, their output is essentially going to be capped by the lack of um, a customer. Mm-hmm. Um, so some members ha- really want to keep production low and prices high. Iran has come out and said that's exactly what they're seeking, um, whereas others are looking for an increase. So 
the way that I see it is kind of three options. They can keep it as is. Mm-hmm. Um, Venezuela, Iran, and Iraq, I think, all favor that. Keep keep production as is, but relax compliance or increase. And I think it's rumored that the Saudis favor an increase right now. Yeah, they, they announced this morning, uh, Thursday morning, that they want to increase collectively a million mm-hmm. barrels per day oh, uh, wow. ahead of the meeting. So breaking news already, kind of <laughs> yeah, already kind of like laying down the gauntlet mm-hmm. uh, ahead of ahead of the meetings, publicly saying that they want to Im- increase OPEC production or supply because they could already be producing it and then just storing it. But OPEC supply by a million barrels per day, which is definitely um, an increase. But given the, it, I feel like the market can handle. Uh, looking at some of the projections, a million barrels per day. Yeah, they say without it, um, you could see a supply crunch mm-hmm. in the next, in the back half of the year, early 2019. So there's some different incentives here. So whether or not they actually do see a supply crunch, who knows? But um, if that's the case, then sure, mm-hmm. let's have it. So we should. We can't, we can't get our oil to market because we don't have the pipelines. Yep. They can. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so we should have some more news on that sort of next week. Yeah. Um, it's it's fascinating to watch that all play out, and a lot of people attributing the recent price rises to OPEC, and undoubtedly that contributed. But there's a lot of other factors that go into this whole mishmash too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pipeline stocks. So. <laughs> Russia, Russia beat Saudi Arabia five to nil in the World Cup, so <laughs> maybe that'll have some leverage uh, in terms of. Who gets to release what oil? Yeah, I'd love to see the uh, soccer jokes going on (laughs) at OPEC. Um, Well, that's it from us today. If you would like to get in touch, um, please feel free to do so. As you can see, we definitely appreciate listener questions Mm, and we we like to answer them. Um, So please feel free to email us at industryfocusup4.com or tweet us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thank you, as always, to Austin Morgan for mixing the show. Uh, for Taylor, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening. I'm Fool One. Well.